This audio presentation is brought to you by the Baptist Missionary Association Theological Seminary. The BMA Seminary provides accredited theological education for equipping God's people for Christ-centered service and leadership roles with three online degrees available now. We are committed to the inerrancy and authority of Holy Scripture and to making disciples of Jesus Christ. For more information about the BMA Seminary and its online degree programs, go to bmats.edu or call toll-free 800-259-5673. That's 800-259-5673. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Helwig. Thank you, Dr. Holmes. Thank you, Seminary, for allowing me to be here today. I always enjoy coming. It's a lot of memories come back as I remember my time here, the joy of um, getting finished, but also the joy of being here and being challenged, and I trust you are being challenged also. Dr. Holmes read some passages to us from Mark this morning, so you're there in Mark 13, and uh, I am sure that this is a a passage of scripture we could take a long time talking about. Uh, Just reading the part that we did earlier, you've got yeah, you, you, there's already some expectations in your, in your mind of uh, some of the things we're going to talk about this morning. And uh, trust, that, um, trust that I won't totally disappoint you, but I'm sure that I will at least to a degree. Because as I've studied the passage and, and worked over it over in my mind, trying to determine what was the main theme that Jesus was getting at with this passage of Scripture and what would be best for us to look at this morning. Maybe I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction than what you would have thought. Some of you know my wife. She loves to run marathons. Last year we went, she went to the Boston Marathon, ran it. She, she ran the marathon 26.2 miles and Three hours and 30-something minutes. Now, now think about that for a minute. For three hours and 30-something minutes, you're running. That sound like fun to anybody? No. <laughs> no. I mean, you have to have a lot of endurance if you're going to run a marathon. A couple of years ago, I, I thought, you know, you know I enjoy biking. I, I thought I was in pretty decent shape. I, I'll try running. Okay, I did for about five minutes. <laughs> Found out I don't have endurance. If you're going to run a marathon, you've got to have endurance. You, you've got to be able to stick to something. I found out that's true in a lot of areas of life. If you're going to finish, this, finish a seminary degree, you've got to have endurance. Amen? Amen. It doesn't come easy. You've got to have endurance. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to have endurance. In this day that we live in, we need men and women of God with endurance. In our passage here, Jesus is, this is right toward the middle part of the week that Jesus will be crucified. And he's gathered his disciples around him and he's instructing them and teaching them. And so he comes to this last chapter here before the, the scene turns and, and the last events of leading up to his crucifixion. 
It has been a traumatic week in many ways. If you go back with me real briefly back to chapter 11 and let's just kind of walk through this week very, very quickly. At the beginning of the week as he enters Jerusalem, notice in chapter 11 that, that he comes to Jerusalem. He, he's leaving the Mount of Olives and he enters into Jerusalem there. It's interesting as he comes into Jerusalem that day, that you notice in verse number 11, he comes into, he enters Jerusalem. And where does he go? He goes to the temple. He looks around. He leaves. Odd oh, why Mark would include that. But, but then it says the next thing, he, he leaves, he sees the fig tree, he curses it. And then next thing, he comes back into Jerusalem, goes to the temple and cleanses it. I think there's some tie-ins there that we won't have time to talk about this morning. You, you continue, as you continue through chapter 11 and into chapter 12, all of these events are either in the temple, about the temple, concerning the temple in some way. This is the last episodes of Christ's earthly life here, earthly ministry. And is focused on, so much focused on this temple. The, the symbol for the Jewish people of our special relationship with God. This temple. In fact, you, you notice in chapter 13 as it begins, he has been teaching and talking there and having the discussion with the scribes and leaders of the Jewish religion. And he is leaving the temple now. Notice in chapter 13, verse 1, they are on their way out of the city. Chapter 11, they're coming into the city from the Mount of Olives. Here's they're going out of the temple, out of Jerusalem, to the Mount of Olives. And most likely, they leave by the eastern gate there. I think some symbolism there back of in Ezekiel of the glory of the Lord departing the temple. But as they're going out, one of his followers, one of his disciples, looks around at, at this magnificent building and in awe of it. And truly, it was a magnificent building from a human standpoint. The records that we have mostly come from Josephus. And he talks about how magnificent this building is. Some people think he may have exaggerated to a degree. But what we can see from archaeology, it was a truly magnificent building. Josephus says that some of these stone blocks that made up the temple foundation area were 60 feet long, 8 feet wide, 9 feet high. Huge stone blocks that didn't have the machinery that we have today to cut and carve them out. Earlier in Jesus' ministry, Jesus said that it had been 46 years in building this temple. They're, they're standing around with, with jaws dropped looking at the magnificent temple here. It's pure white and places, parts of it covered with gold. Josephus said that if you came into Jerusalem on early in the morning when the sun was shining on it just right, it would almost blind you. It was so brilliant. So they're looking at it and, and the awe of it, they are mesmerized by the sight that their physical eyes see. 
And Jesus says, You see these great buildings, verse 2, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And leave Jerusalem, leave the temple area, cross to the Mount of Olives where they have a perfect view of the temple area. And Jesus begins teaching them here. Uh, Yeah, He's talking about end times. But one of the things that I have found is so easy and so natural for us to do is we come to prophecy sections of the Bible and the first thing we want to do, we want to get out our, our paper and we want to build us a calendar. We want to build us a chart. This is going to happen and then this is going to happen and, and oh, I see an insight here or I see an insight. And, and we build these calendars. Prophecy was not given to build us calendars. Prophecy was given to challenge us to faithfulness to God. The prophecy was given to say, hey, these are, this is what the end time is going to look like. Now, endure. Endure. Stay faithful as you go through the chapter. Jesus could have been very much more specific. He could have, he could have nailed it down so there would be no question. There would be no doubt. But He chose not to do that. The thing he emphasizes again and again and again is endure. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. In fact, you notice how he, he puts it there in verse, chapter 13, verse number 3 as he, as he talks about the, the question comes to him. <clears throat> He said, when, when all of these things are going to happen, verse 5, Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray. Many will come in My name saying, I am He, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. Do you, do you notice the commands that he says there? The, the admonitions that he's talking about over and over again. It's like he's taking his flock around him and he says, Now listen, my children. Listen, my brothers. Don't be deceived. There are all kinds of false prophets, false teachers who are going to come. You can't get very far in the New Testament before you see that the New Testament leaders, teachers, prophets, apostles constantly dealt with that issue, right? 2,000 years ago, Paul was talking about these false teachers that would come in and try to lead people astray. Hey, guess what? It's not stopped just because we're 2,000 years down the road. They may have been bad there. I'll guarantee you, we have so many heresies today. Television, internet, bookstores, all over the place. Jesus said, don't be deceived. There are false teachers out there. That's one of the reasons it's important for you to be here. So you can learn God's Word. Not so that you can learn a doctrine. Not so that you can learn to pass a test. 
Not so that you can learn just to say, I am an authority. You can learn God's Word so that you know God's Word, so that you can live God's Word, so that you can teach God's Word. You're going to have an opportunity, a responsibility to lead people around you. You will have a place of leadership. You'd better know God's Word. You don't want to be like the Pharisees who had, who had a head knowledge of God's Word. Oh, they knew facts and figures. They knew certain things. They, they, a lot of them knew the correct answers. But there was no heart there. You are here to get disciplined and trained. But much more than that, to fall in love with the Bible, to fall in love with the God of the Bible. He said, don't be deceived. There will be all kinds of people around you who, who will attempt to deceive you. Don't allow them to deceive you. He continues in Verse number 9, another command He gives, but be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for My sake to bear witness before them. And the Gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be, will be saved. Don't be deceived, but also be on your guard. Did you notice how many times? He emphasized that being delivered over, being delivered over, being delivered over. And not necessarily by those who are from the state, not necessarily by those who have no connection to you. He talks about people who are close to you. In just a few days, Jesus would be in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. Judas, come up and kiss him. That's not what a kiss is for. He delivered him over. Jesus was fully aware of what was going to happen in the next couple of days when he is telling his disciples, be on your guard. There will be some who will turn you over, who will deliver you. What is the thing? Are you willing to be persecuted for me? In just a little while, as he institutes the Lord's Supper and leaves there to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, they're talking about this. And he says, very soon, all of you are going to run away and hide. Peter, not me, Lord. Oh, all these other jokers might leave you. I'm not going to leave you, Lord. I'll die for you, Lord. But in just a few moments... He was running. He was scared. He, he was scared for his life. Be on your guard, Jesus is saying. Be on your guard. Because some of us 
are going to be persecuted for the cause of Christ. I love the book of Acts and love how strongly the the disciples, the apostles, took stands for Christ. How at one time they went out rejoicing that they had been found worthy to be beaten, to suffer for the cause of Christ. Oh, what a stellar testimony. Am I? Are you? Willing? Like that? Oh, the Lord has blessed us. We live in a country where, where we don't have to face those kinds of persecutions. It could change very quickly. You realize that. It could change and it is changing very quickly. But around the world, for those who take a stand for the cause of Christ, there are, there are places where it is extremely dangerous for them to. Be on your guard, Jesus said. Watch out for false teachers, but but be aware there are those who would deliver you over to death. Are you going to endure? Are you going to stand? Christ calls us to suffer for Him. Will we? Don't be deceived, Jesus said. Be on your guard. Finally, look at the closing passage of the chapter in verse number 32. There's a command that he repeats. Two words that are used four times here. Pick them out as I read this again. Verse 32, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard. Keep awake. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come. In the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning. Lest you, come, lest you come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all. Say to all what? Stay awake. Stay awake. Stay awake. Stay awake. The Master has given you a job to do. The Master has left. And in His leaving, He has given you a responsibility. He says, here, this is your task. I have this for you to do. Stay awake. It's not just the idea of not sleeping. It's the idea of staying alert so you can accomplish, you can do what the, the, the job that the Master has asked you, has challenged you, has commanded you to do. Stay awake. So easy for us, isn't it? To fall asleep. Last week, my son and I traveled to South Carolina. We left Little Rock 9 o'clock last Thursday night. So we drove all night. About 3 o'clock, I had been driving the entire time. About 3 o'clock, stopped for gas and asked Russell, I said, you want to drive for a little while? Sure, I'll drive. So he got over there and I, I cozied off on the passenger side about 
20 minutes, 30 minutes or so, and I'd just fallen into a good sleep when suddenly I heard the rumble strips. <laughs> I'm instantly wide awake. Are you okay? I'm kind of sleepy, Dad. Okay, I'm wide awake. <laughs> I'll drive. I'll drive. It's so easy for us. It's so easy for us just to, just to drift off to sleep, isn't it? It's interesting. This is probably what gets most of us. False teachers, we have our antenna up for them. But we know how to spot them from a mile away. Well, we see their books, we see their television programs, and we're quick to warn people about them. Oh, he's a false teacher, and she's a false teacher. Watch out, don't listen to them. We're quick with the false teachers. Even the persecution. Oftentimes it is that persecution that drives us closer to Christ, right? And we take a stand for Christ. But those are both outside of us. It is that lack of discipline, that falling asleep, that gets most of us. It's not that we're that we don't know what's right. It's not that we don't have strength. It's not how weak we are. It's just that we're asleep. Wake up! Jesus' disciples would need this challenge, wouldn't they? I mean, in just a few days, those Roman soldiers are going to be there. In just a few days, their entire world is going to be changed. They, They need this lesson. Mark's original audience Gospel was probably written in early 60s. They, they needed this lesson. They, they needed this challenge. Their world was changing. The Roman government was coming in and oppressing them more and more. In just a few years, this temple that Jesus said no stone would be left on, it would be destroyed. Their world was changing. They needed this lesson. 2,000 years later, we need this challenge. Not so that we can come up with a calendar and say, oh, I know. No. We need this challenge. So we will endure. And endure. Not, I understand the rewards and all of that. I understand all of that. But, but not, not for the reward, not for what I'm going to get out of it. But because I'm going to see the Son of Man coming and I'm going to fall on my face before Him and shout out, You are worthy, O Lord. You are worthy. You are worthy. It's just, oh, that day. When we see in Revelation as we lift our voices and shout out and sing how glorious He is. I cannot sing a lick. You better hope you're not standing close to me when He comes. Because I'm going to shout it 